Hi, and welcome to Buggin' Out, a podcast dedicated to all things creepy and crawly. I'm your host, Tyler Weedmeyer, an entomology master's student at the University of Delaware, here to take you on a journey to the world of insects, arachnids, and all the rest of the bugs. Today we'll be speaking with Tyler Haggerty, a PhD student at the University of Delaware, about his favorite type of insect, the membracid. Hey Tyler, welcome to the show. Hey Tyler, thanks for having me. <laughs> so I think we'd start off with talking about what a bug is. Um, I know bug isn't a scientific term. There are types of insects that are called true bugs, which I think we're talking about later today. Mostly I think bugs will include insects, arachnids, uh, so spiders, scorpions, those kind of things. Uh, the myriapods, which will be like the centipedes and the millipedes. Am I missing anything? Oh man. So if you want to go general public name of bug, yeah, I think, I think for a lot of people it just qualifies anything that's creepy, crawly, in the ground, in your house, and doesn't have a spine, probably, <laughs> is what they go to. Right. I've even heard uh, some people refer to worms as bugs. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, this podcast is going to try and cover some of these. Yeah. Uh, we probably won't touch on worms, but like <laughs> anything that has at least six legs will probably hit this podcast. Awesome. Um, all right, so let's get started. So you're here to talk to us about membracids. What can you tell me kind of generally about a membracid? Sure. What is a membracid? Sure, absolutely. So if we want to go high tier and work our way in, we're obviously, you know, kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species, that fun uh, quick rattle of words that students usually learn somewhere in that middle school, high school range. Um, we are in kingdom animalia and then phylum arthropoda and class insecta, like you said. So we have three legs. We have uh, three sets of, of legs. Or, yeah, sorry, three sets of legs. We have this bilateral symmetry. So the left side and the right side of the insect is the same. Uh, but for membracids, we are in the order Hemiptera, which is what that true bug is that you just mentioned. Um, so what, what makes a, 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 a hemipteran a true bug? Uh, what makes a hemipteran a hemipteran? Yes. Per se, uh, in very easy terms, thankfully for the order that I work on, there's not too much that you have to know. It's just that they have a piercing, sucking mouth part. So they have this kind of, think of it like a straw with a needle at the end for the most part, that they will insert, stab into either a tree, a plant, or even prey. Some of them are predaceous, uh, like assassin bugs is in the order Hemiptera, and they're very voracious. I've worked with them for a few years now, and they're very fun to watch hunt down their prey and grab onto them and stab into them. But for the most part, yeah, we have uh, Hemipterans. In a nutshell, we have this piercing, sucking mouth part. A quick couple that usually come to mind with people are cicadas. Okay. That's a Hemipteran. We just had a huge um, outburst of cicadas last yep. year. Yeah, we had a big 17-year Magic Cicada outburst big uh, flooding of screaming insects. <laughs> I remember my backyard being very loud for a couple of weeks this last yep, summer. Absolutely. I'm from southeastern Pennsylvania, and in my neck of the woods up there, they come out in really, really, really large amounts. And it got so bad at some points that like I couldn't even have a conversation with my family in the backyard because it was so loud. There's so many of them. But cicadas are a really good kind of a key hemipteran species that people can think of and then the other one if we want to go from something that's been here for years and is native to the area to something that's invasive we can move towards um like the brown marmorated stink bug a little smelly stink bug that's a hemipteran they have a nice piercing sucking mouth part that they'll stab into fruits and stuff and that's a that's a big invasive in the area especially in crops but also just in house pests 
Uh, a lot of times, you know, people lift up a piece of furniture and there's hundreds of them under there. And then... Now uh, we're talking about piercing, sucking mouth parts. Like, I can think of several other insects that have piercing, mouth sucking parts. Piercing, sucking mouth, mouth parts. parts. Like, think about, like, the mosquito. Right. But mosquitoes are not hemipterans. Mosquitoes are not hemipterans. No, they are part of the diptera, which are the flies. Okay. Um, flies have a ton of modifications for their mouth parts. They'll have, like, sponging, lapping mouth parts where they basically have, like a gecko foot of a mouth and they can put it on things and water, like liquids just suck up into it. Um, and then we do have things like the mosquitoes that yeah have that kind of adapted stabbing, sucking piece. But for Hemiptera, it's always that. And it's actually a modification of kind of the iconic insect mouth parts. So we have like the mandibles, which if you think of like some beetles that have like big pincery looking Big sideways yeah. jaws um those are mandibles and we have like the labrum and the labium which are all these kind of under those pieces of mouth and all of those have kind of been elongated in hemiptera and then kind of ziplocked together into this interesting channel or two channels at least in their mouth so they have this straw but there's actually two different channels in it and one channel is for sucking up so whatever food they're feeding on, whether it's plant material or like the juice inside of a bug. And then the other channel is actually for excreting saliva. And sometimes that can, you know, help slow down an insect or help dissolve plant material or something of the sort. So their saliva's got like some digestive enzymes yep. and paralytics occasionally. And yeah, and cool. then you get into the head of a hemipteran, which is a little bit more specific as to why it's a hemipteran, but a lot of them will have something called a filter chamber. Mm -hmm. So in human terms, um, you know, we have like a upper and a lower intestine. Think of it like part of your intestine kind of wraps back up to almost the front of your throat, right? Gross. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and all the nutrients that's going through the intestinal system will then get wrapped kind of up to the front again, and every last little bit of nutrients will get sucked out. But imagine when you're that small that nutrients are important. Nutrients are super important. So getting the most out of a meal is probably best suited. Absolutely. And then on top of it, when we move into things like membracids, um, which we're talking about today, or, you know, a little bit easier for people to picture like cicadas, they are feeding on plant material and they're drilling into a plant and sucking nutrients out of a plant. But most of the time they're feeding on what's called phloem and that's more of the water movement nutrients of the plant. So... A lot of times they're ingesting a large amount of sugary water along with nutrients that they want. So it's really important for them to kind of shunt out or get rid of quickly a lot of this non-nutritious material, but really extract a lot of the nutrients from it because it's such little quantities. Okay. So they really so, have to process fast. So that brings up a question. You talk about cicadas, you talk about membracids. Are cicadas membracids? Cicadas are not membracids, no. So are they closely related or just kind of the same kind of They insects? are. They are, in, in, rel in relative terms, closely related. They are in the same suborder of hemiptera. So within Hemiptera, we have all of the things we've talked about. We have things like assassin bugs. We have stink bugs. We have like uh, box elder bugs, which are the little long blackish looking insects with the red X on them that are like out right now in everybody's houses. Um, and then we have things like cicadas and we have things like membracids, uh, which are in the suborder Auchinorhynchia. So they're a little bit different from a lot of other hemipterans and the fact that that beak or that mouth part that they have actually comes from the back of their head instead of off the front of their head. And we'll try to put some pictures up on the, the visual companion for so people awesome. can see what these yeah. look like. I know it's, it's kind of weird sometimes just talking about this what in an audio like, format. Yeah, we want to um, 
we're hoping to launch a website that has oh, pictures great. so we can see what we're talking about and excellent trying to visualize right. in our heads. But yeah, so we have we have these cicadas and these membracids and stuff like that where their beak will come from the back of their head. Sometimes when they feed it actually looks like there's like a a piece like a leg coming just from the middle of their body almost into the plant that they're feeding off of because the the origin or the start of that beak is just so far down on the insect's head, which kind of oftentimes wraps underneath their body. So we have membracids that are in the Auchinarenka. Um, for cicadas... What is the common name for membracid? You were talking about cicadas. Oh, so Cicadas is a super common name. Right. Everyone knows what a cicada yeah. is. You're saying membracids. Do they have a common name that most people would um, know? In general terms, a lot of people call them tree hoppers. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've definitely heard of a tree yeah. hopper. So we have, we have a lot of hoppers. Auchinarenka... Uh, which is a very weird word and a very weird spelling <laughs> of a word, and it took me like a year to just be able to rattle it off real quick. Oh yeah, quick. I remember in my taxonomy class that, that that was the hardest one yep. to learn how to spell. Oh yeah, was like Auchinarenka. I'll be completely honest with you, I still can't spell it. <laughs> uh, I have to like Google it every time I'm writing it down, and it's been in so many things that I've written. But yeah, we have tree hoppers, which are the membracids. We also have things like leaf hoppers and plant hoppers. There's a bunch of different hoppers. They're all common names. Um, and they're all different families of insects within Auchinarynchus. Cicadas are easy because their name's Cicada and their family name is Cicadidae. Um, membracids are Membracidae, but their common name is tree hoppers for a lot of people. Uh, and it's usually because most of them live and eat trees. We do have some that all live on the, the ground plants, like the, the thistles and the weeds. And actually, that's one of my favorite ones, which we'll talk about later. But most of them live in trees and are highly adapted to eating that tree. Um, so tree hopper came so about. They're very specific in the niche that they yes. want to... A large amount of them are very specific in the tree right, that they so, like. So now that we've kind of covered what a membracid is, what, what's kind of like the life cycle? Sure. I know insects have some very interesting life cycles. We've got things that metamorphosize, which changing their right. shape, um, and things that don't necessarily... What, what's kind of a life cycle for a membracid? Sure, absolutely. So membracids are part of, like we said, the order Hemiptera, and the order Hemiptera have what's called incomplete metamorphosis. So they are not like, say, the poster child for metamorphosis, which would be the butterfly. Right. Right. We have this egg that'll hatch out. We have this caterpillar. This caterpillar eats a ton of plant material or whatever it's snacking on. Then it'll cocoon. We'll have this pupa. Right. And, and then, then all of a sudden we got wings. All of a sudden we have a beautiful butterfly that looks nothing like a caterpillar. Hemipterans and membracids are, they do not metamorphosize like that. Instead, they will hatch out of their egg and they go through what's called instars, which are baby insects of a sort. Um, they'll come out very, very small. They might look somewhat like their adult counterpart, which will have wings and stuff like that. They will not have wings, as in a, as a nymph, as they're called. And then they will molt multiple times, depending on the species uh, or the family. Sometimes molts are related to family, but they will go through different instar numbers for, per molt. So a good example of this, again, I'll pull out of membracids because they're so atypical for people to talk about <laughs> and dive into like spotted lanternfly, which is a, new invas a newer invasive on the eastern coast. Spotted lanternfly have four nymphal instars. So they hatch as a first instar. That instar or baby bug will molt in the second instar, molt in the third instar, molt in the fourth instar, and then that fourth instar will eclose as an adult, and it'll come out as that adult spotted lantern. So one more mold, and then we're boom. And we're then adults. boom, we're an adult. We have wings. We can mate. We can go lay. We can mate, and then lay eggs. 
and so on. So that adult insect, while it still looks kind of like the nymph, never went through that like you know drastic caterpillar to butterfly transition. So nymphrasids do more of this gradual. This gradual. I'm a kid. I'm a kid. I'm a kid. kid. I'm an adult. Right. Like yeah, you can think of it like but I'm a kid. I'm a I teenager, look, and I now look I'm an like adult. My parents. But I look. I look like my parents. You know. I might not have wings, I might not be sexually mature, I might not be able to mate with uh, my same species and then lay eggs, but I look kind of like my parents, and then slowly but surely I grow up, I get wings, I can move around, and now I'm an adult. Okay, so we talked about life cycle, you said they like to feed on plants and trees. Yes. Um, What kind of... Other than just feeding, what what is their lifestyle like? Sure. Like what do, what do they do? So they're they're pretty interesting in terms of, and we'll get into it a little bit more. So I'll touch on it real quick right here. Uh, but they live pretty much always on the plants that they're feeding on. Okay, so they move around a lot. They're not they're not huge at moving if they can help it. If they're disturbed or something, they will leave. But for the most part, they're going to live on the plant that they that they feed off of. And I've got an important question. Sure. We're calling them tree hoppers. Do they hop? Yes. Do they have these yes, absolutely. jumping back legs yep. that allow they, them to escape? They, in terms of hoppers, they might not be the best at jumping. Well, I would assume they're not the grasshopper right. of the insect world. Right, but they can absolutely jump. Okay. Um, when frightened, you will, like, if you go to, like, try and catch one and you're not quick enough, it'll be there, and then a second later, it'll be gone. And it just bounced right off that tree. That'd be pretty small, though, to live on, the, on, yes. on some plants. Yeah, they're, they're not usually too big, a couple millimeters in length oh, that's for really the small. most part. Um, and you know, the nymphs are even tinier than that, but they'll live on their trees. The interesting thing about membracids is kind of the way that they look and they have these really insane, what's called a pronotum. Um, sometimes what is a pronotum? So a pronotum in, you know, general insect terms, we have the head, the thorax and the abdomen. If you think of those terms, think of the thorax of the insect, the top of it being that area. And think of it being expanded. In our fauna, so our species, a lot of them will look like thorns. Um, so if you picture like the thorn on a rose bush. like camouflage. They can, they can blend in. Yeah. So they haven't narrowed it down exactly in science as to why these insects have these crazy thorns or these crazy uh, like structures coming off their backs. But a lot of times people will say that it's either for camouflage or it's for protection. You know, you probably don't want to eat something that looks like a thorn. And if I'm living on a plant, say, with thorns, and I look like a thorn, maybe you won't see me. And, you know, they're fairly sedentary in their ways if they're feeding on a tree. So they're not, it's not like they're walking constantly. So they're nice and still, and they look like a thorn. But for a life cycle, they'll lay their eggs on this tree that they like to eat. The eggs will hatch. Usually they're what's called univoltine. So we have one generation of them a year. Okay. So what's going to happen is we'll start from the adult. All right. So they overwinter as an adult. No, they'll overwinter as eggs, ah. which is interesting. So they'll they'll lay their eggs depending on the species, you know, maybe in the fall or the late summer, and then the adults for the most part will die. Uh, the eggs will stay on the tree over the winter, and then come spring they will hatch out or early summer depending on how much heat they want before they hatch out. They'll hatch out as that first instar nymph that we talked about, and then they'll feed. They'll basically hatch out and they usually fall to the ground, um, but because they're very tiny little bugs falling in the air is not like us falling in the air they can fall from like the middle of a fully grown oak tree hit the ground and be like okay cool 
time to go about my business. Yeah, the, the, the surface area, they can bounce. They, they're not going to yeah, take too much damage. Exactly. Like, oh, that was, that was fun. Let's do it again. Yep, yeah, <laughs> fall damage for insects is not as much of a thing. So the, that first instar nymph will hatch and fall to the ground, and then they'll usually just kind of climb back up the tree that they basically fell off of uh, and then start feeding. So they tend to live their lives in like one spot. In one spot, if they can help it. Okay. Yeah, and then they'll start feeding on that are they, tree. Are they, um, are they detrimental to the tree or plant they're living on? For the most part, no. There has been some cases of, you know, a tree not doing too well off of feeding. Usually the smaller the tree, the worse it is. Not as much nutrients moving through, not as established of a, uh, of a tree if they're tiny or new saplings. But they'll, they'll stab in and they'll start feeding on the tree, usually not causing really much damage to the tree. And then they'll start molting, you know, they'll grow up per se. They'll molt through their instars, whether they have five or six or four. They'll molt through their instars, they'll close as an adult. Those adults will then find each other, they will mate, they will lay more eggs on the tree, and, and then over. die. Now, there's always, the fun thing about learning about insects is there's always an exception somewhere, shape, or form. So, you know, you and I being students of the University of Delaware, here, even in our campus, on our campus, we have something that's called, or a species that's called Platycotus vitata. That's the genus and species. In common name terms, it's called the oak tree hopper. Why? Because it's a <laughs> tree hopper tree. that likes to eat oaks. Who would have thought? <laughs> we're so creative sometimes. I know. But it's interesting when we're talking about life cycle because they actually have two generations a year. Okay. When you um, said normally, they normally just Normally, it's one. one generation a year. So, and each generation looks different. Really? Which is really funky, too. So this is a species that has a horn um, off that pronotum, but it kind of faces forwards, right? So more like a, like a like horn a, instead of a thorn. Kind of like a horn instead of a thorn, yeah. And the first generation will hatch out. It will, say, and then it will grow up, it will mate, it will lay eggs, and then that next generation will still hatch during that summer fallish time. Then that generation who looks more dull will grow up mate, or not mate, they will grow up, sorry, and then as adults they will overwinter. They will overwinter as adults, and then they will mate at the beginning of the spring-ish area, lay their eggs, their eggs will hatch, and then that summer generation will be very colorful. Um, they're like kind of like a light gray with stripes. So, so the big them. difference with this is every other generation is colorful, colorful or dull. Right. So that summer generation is really bright and like, hey, don't look, don't eat me. No, I kind of, I'm kind of blending in. With and the, the other leaves. ones are blending in because you know they're going to be stuck on these trees most likely All without right. leaves on them. So hey, we need to look like this tree. That's that's super cool. All right. So I I love talking about gross and creepy sure. and crawly. So Absolutely. When it comes to membracid, what is the grossest thing you can think of? Okay. So it actually won't have to do physically with the membracid per se, mm -hmm. but like we said before, they tap into nutrients and food that's really not that great for them. It's like if we only ate water with like an electrolyte squirt in it, or like our whole nutrients was off Gatorade. Oh. Um, I couldn't imagine. Right, exactly. So we need to we need to you know get rid of a lot of the that sugar and that water and really suck out that nutrients. And what that's called when they do that is what they're excreting. We call honeydew, and it's basically just sugar water. So when they tap into this tree, they start peeing, for all intents and purposes, this sugar water really rapidly because they're just trying to get that out of the system. They're trying to keep that nutrients in and get rid of all the sugar and water that they don't need that much of because they're a little tiny insect. Uh, and this excretion of honeydew can be sticky and gross in and of itself, but also it attracts a lot of things. 
And because of that, and the nymphs and the adults are doing this, because of that, a lot of membracids as nymphs, as babies, or adults are tended by ants. So you have this kind of like so you have sticky area on a tree, and then also you just have like all of these ants swarming around. And these ants are basically farming these membracids and taking all this sugar water because they love it. They want it. So yeah, that's super gross. That ants are literally feeding off on of membracid pee. Yes, they love that's it. That's they're so all gross. about it. <laughs> yeah. And then on top of that, if there's enough of them, it's also attracting, you know, a bunch of other bees, ants, wasps. Right, now you're getting the, the you get predators yeah, coming, after coming them. in and then these ants are like defending these membracids because it's like an all you can eat buffet of sugar water <laughs> pee that these little bugs are just kind of dropping out it's like if you you know have a faucet at home that when you turn off it still drips it's basically like that they're just bloop, that's bloop, so gross bloop. Oh, i love it <laughs> all right so so we talked gross what's the coolest thing about a membracid like, i think the, what makes them so cool i think the coolest you. thing about the membracid on a surface level is that structure, that pronotal, that thoracic, really crazy Can they get really ornate or are they always kind of thornish? We, we have some ornate ones in the eastern United States. Um, we obviously have thorn ones or ones more like horns that stick off the front of their head. We also have some that have like two almost like rhinoceros horn bumps slash like structures coming off them. We also have one species that actually has two front facing horns. So like literally more like dual horns um, that you would imagine, you know, on like probably some like monster from okay. a TV show. And then if you go into the tropics, things get really crazy. In the tropics there we have like, there's one that almost has like an umbrella of thorns coming off the top of its head. So it has like this pillar coming off the top and then like multiple thorns coming horizontally off to form like this umbrella over their body. We have some that look- Yeah, I've seen pictures of some that yeah. look like they've got a Christmas tree growing off yeah. the top of their head. And we, like, have, we have some that look weird. like they have a giant crescent moon coming off of their head, which is like, why do you even have that? <laughs> what is that doing for you? Um, sometimes it's just like an, a really enlarged, it almost looks like a fish fin, but it's colorful. So there's a species in Mexico that has this orange, basically like fin, of a pronotum that's yellow with black spots all over it. It's a very iconic membracid. And then for for something that I think makes them very interesting is they actually talk to each other. So a lot of hemipterans and well not hemipterans, sorry, a lot of auchinorhynchs. So into this more subgroup of hemipterans with that back facing mouth part make sounds. Cicadas obviously being the poster oh, yeah, child for this. you can hear them this. everywhere. But a lot I of assume them, everything kind of tries to communicate with each other. Right, yep. So a lot of other auchinorhynchs still have that structure that can make a sound called a timbal, but they're not loud enough to do it auditorily. It's not a sound wave that comes through. Instead, because they're so tight-knit on these plants, they will actually talk through the plant. And we call that substrate-borne vibrations. Oh. Um, so so it's they're, a, gonna, they're gonna send a sound through the tree. Through the tree. Uh, and through, you know, people basically stabbing into these trees while these while these insects are talking, we've been able to take that substrate-borne vibrational communication and make it auditory so that we can hear it. So I actually have a couple couple clips on my phone that I'll play for you, and I'm gonna put it up to the microphone so that everybody can hear it. So these are all actually native species to the eastern okay, United so States. So things right here. So things right here. So here's one of them. So that's one kind of little chirp of a of a sound. And then we have, let's go to this one.
I say, and that one kind of sounds, if you weren't paying attention, like a gust of wind. Yeah. Yeah, so it's this kind of deep, guttural, like, slash, like, finesse at the same time, vibration moving through this plant. And then I have one more to share. So they've traced these sounds to like warning calls um, so that they can literally let other membracids on the tree know that like, hey, I got disturbed, boop, boop, and then bounce. <laughs> um, there's been some that are for aggregation. Uh, so I actually work with a species of membracid called the locust tree hopper. And who would have thought it feeds on black locust? The tree. Okay. So not, um, not, not I'm thinking locust, I'm thinking like not the, the grasshopper. Yeah, not the insect, but the tree. We have a native tree called black locust. Okay. Um, so they feed off of that. And even in me rearing them, so I have trees in a greenhouse and I hatch these insects out. They'll hatch out individually, you know, all over the tree from the eggs. And then slowly but surely, they all work into these little clumps where they all hang out together. Uh, it's very adorable, but it's all because oh, of this community, yep. sort of. They want to be together. Yep. It's all because of this kind of conversation that they're having with these substrate warm vibrations. So they've actually been deemed by a lot of people to be a subsocial insect. So they're not on the level of like bees, where we have all the checks marks of eusociality, where we have like you know overlapping generations, multi multi generations taking care of There's offspring no and living together. Off. No, but they do live together, so they check some of these boxes of this little subsocial insect where they kind of form these groups. And they've even been shown in some species to kind of have parental care of their eggs. And which is, which is nymphs, kind of rare in an insect. Which is, which is very rare in an insect, yeah. They'll actually take care of the eggs and try and protect them and like stand over them so that things don't see them or try and eat them. So I think, yeah, the, the most interesting thing besides the crazy hats that they wear of thorns and horns and spiky umbrellas and beads and all of this kind of craziness is this like in-depth social communication and aggregation that they have that a lot of people you'd never really notice until you really dig deep into the information about the family awesome awesome well thank you i know that this is a super large group is there is there any one particular one that you love the best there definitely is it's very easy to say, like, yeah, probably some crazy tropical one with all these spikes and they're orange and green. But the one that's near and dear to my heart is actually called Antilia carinata. Uh, off the top of my head, I'm not even sure if it has a common name. So <laughs> I call them Antilia. Okay. Uh, so uh, they are a native species, and they are not really tree feeding. Most of the time, you're going to find them on the underside of things like thistle. And like asteraceous. Some more, more smaller, yeah. less woody plants. Like kind of weedy. Like if you if you see a field with like some weedy plants, you can probably find Antilia. And you go up to like these thistle plants and you turn over the leaf of it without hopefully getting stabbed by a bunch of thistle. Right. But uh, you turn over the leaf and there's just this little brown membracid. It's pretty tiny. And... It has these two kind of horns. The one is a bigger horn that comes off the more forward-facing area of the insect, and then it kind of has a little bump to it as well. So it's got two kind of looking horns sticking off the back. But the thing I love about it is their coloration. So they're usually brown, black, white, cream, like all those combinations of colors, but the patterns of them are variable. So you could flip over one leaf and have these striking differences in coloration. I've seen some where literally right down the middle of the insect, the back half is black 
and the front half is like a light brown. I've had some where they have these crazy stripes that they look almost like a zebra. Some where they're just kind of light brown but kind of speckled. And it's, so, so the patterns are kind of uh, variable, like a cow or... As, as terrible as the set and sounds, they're very variable. <laughs> um, and they, they have all these crazy just patterns to them. And I like really just fell in love with them. And just kind of finding new patterns, trying to take pictures of them, maybe even adding them to collections here and there. But really just the variability of this little itty-bitty membracid that hangs out on these kind of like, you know, a lot of people think of them as trash plants. These plants that are down that people don't want in their yards or like avoid in the forest. But here's this little baby, little tiny brown membracid that has all this coloration and all this variability. And who knows why? Nobody, as far as I'm aware, knows what's going on with why they do this, why they have these crazy coloration patterns. But there they are. Nice. Well, thank you very much, Tyler. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. Thanks about all the time we have. Thank you for having me, Tyler. It was great to just chat about a species that I don't get to talk about too often. All right, and thank you all for listening. This has been uh, Bugging Out, and we will talk next time about another bug.